This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome back to Covered in Pet Hair. I'm your host, Isabel Alvarez-Arada, and today I have the pleasure of having a drink and a chat with a pet parent, a professional dog trainer, an award winner, a dog person. She's a foodie and a wine snob who isn't too good to drink boxed wine. She's a coffee lover, a world traveler, born and raised in Ottawa, Canada. You're the first Canadian on my show, by the way. Oh my goodness. She's currently living in South Mills, North Carolina. She's wife to Tim, dogma to a black lab by the name of Sweet Carolina Rhubarb Pie, Rhubarb for short. And she's the author of the award-winning book, Raising the Worst Dog Ever, A Survival Guide. She is Dale Ward. Welcome, Dale. It's so good to have you on the show. Hi, it's great to be here. Been looking forward to this. I know, me too. I am so excited. I love the concept of your book, which we're going to get into in a second. But before I go any further, anybody participating in our drinking game today, anytime you hear this word. The secret word is Wiley. Make sure you take a drink of whatever you're enjoying, but be of age wherever you're joining us from. Please never drink and drive and always drink responsibly. What are you drinking today, Dale? I am drinking a Sauvignon Blanc from California. Very nice. I'm a huge fan of Sauvignon Blanc. Have you tried the Kirkland brand Sauvignon Blanc Probably. from Costco? Oh, well, maybe not. I don't know. Don't you go have Costco, to Costco. So. Yeah? Oh, you have to. It's okay. like five, six dollars. And I'm pretty sure it's a much more expensive label you know, parading around with a Kirkland label. So you oh, have wow. to try okay. it. Yes. Okay, I will do. My mom and I drink that very often. It is our favorite. And I'm, again, it's like $6. Insider tip. And I do love Costco. I go there often. So I, I, I'm kind of an insider at Costco. Well, I am having today a Chamoy Mango Sunrise. That's what this is. Wow. I haven't even tried it yet. Wow. So I know. I tr- I bought chamoy, which if you don't know what chamoy is, it's like this this sauce that they put in a lot of stuff in Mexico. They put it in drinks, desserts, cocktails, and I bought it recently. My friend down the street, she makes it, and I don't know what's in it, but I bought it and I had it. So I was like, I'm going to make a cocktail where I can put chamoy on the rim of my cocktail. So this has uh, uh-huh. vodka. This has mango puree that I actually made by defrosting one of my kids' popsicles because I didn't have mango on hand. And it has agave nectar. It has fresh lime juice. And it's kind of like a vodka-based margarita. So cheers. Cheers. For being on the show. Thank you. My pleasure. It's such a pleasure to meet you finally after following you so long on social media. Nice. Mm. So that's really strong. Wow. Oh. <laughs> be good That's by great. the end of this. <laughs> yes, I love it. I'll really get into this show. Um, so I always introduce this show with a game. And today I'm actually going to start it off easy for myself and put the pressure on you. Okay. This is called Wiley's Wrongs. And I'm going to give you one minute to tell me all the things that Wiley did that made her the worst dog ever. Are you ready? Sure. <laughs> All right. Just spew them out. Whatever comes to mind, share it. Here we go. 
Okay, she was in the house for about 30 seconds when she went and peed on her brand new dog bed as a puppy. And that's where I learned to buy a dog bed with removable cover. So that was the first one. She ruined the entire maple floors, the brand new maple floors in the house. If you got down and look sideways and you know, the light's right, it's full of claw marks. I mean, full. We're planting oak trees and we had at least 100 oak trees planted by hand with little flags marking them and she got the, the, the idea that she was just going to go and rip out all the flags so she pluck, 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 pluck. so she's ripping out all our flags all our work what else did she do she ruined the the hike up to st peter's dome where uh, we were going to have a picnic and she just went crazy on the leash and i had to turn around and go back and let my friends go ahead of me she uh what else did she do oh my god oh, you're arm... already you're already over one minute here oh, i bet well, based on the fact that you wrote a book about it i'm sure <laughs> that you could go on all day so i There's really want to i really want to get into your book i think it's such a great concept but before i turn this over to you i want to read an, what people are saying about your book okay and this sure. person seems to be pretty special to you her name, you may know her, our listeners, our viewers, they may know her. Her name is Victoria Stillwell. And she is an expert dog trainer, media personality. She now runs a dog training academy. I was kidding. If you don't know her, you probably need to know her. Um, and she said this about your book. Raising the worst dog ever, a survival guide, is an honest and wonderfully entertaining look at the complex relationship between a woman and her dog. Readers will not only gain a better understanding of their own dogs by reading this book, they will empathize with all the challenges as well as appreciate the pure joys of sharing their lives with these incredible animals. That's Victoria Stillwell. And so I want you to tell us kind of how is your book different? Because it is very different from what most people might expect when they pick up a book called Raising the Worst Dog Ever, A Survival Guide. Right. And, you know, there's a lot of great dog training books out there. The place is flooded. They're everywhere. And now it seems like more and more people are authoring their own books. But I wanted to put together, and I've, I had this idea going for a number of years, even before Wiley passed away. But the idea that, you know, I went through all this stuff with my dog before I was a dog trainer. I was just an ordinary person, got the brainy idea that I was going to get a lab puppy, and I uh, didn't know what I was doing. I don't think people realize just how rambunctious lab puppies can oh, be. Oh, <laughs> yes. And mine was uh, field bred. So she was, yeah, she was not a show dog. So she was like a ready to go hunt birds. So I got this dog and I just didn't know what I was doing. So I sort of stumbled along and, you know, ended up going to a dog training class and doggy daycare and just figuring things out as I went along and, you know, eventually ended up with what I like to say is the best worst dog ever because she turned out so amazingly wonderful. But all of those trials and tribulations, now that I'm a professional dog trainer, I thought, wouldn't it be great to be able to tell the story of one of those episodes, one of her antics, and then right after that, put the training behind it. So the person gets to read this story in my memoir of me and my dog, Wiley, about, you know, for example, Wiley the kleptomaniac, which is my favorite chapter because I just <laughs> love, it just brings back such great pictures, images in my mind of, of her as a puppy. So that's the dog stealing things, right? Taking things, running away, wreaking havoc. And almost all dogs do that. And almost all pet parents handle it incorrectly. They chase the dog. They try and rip things out of their mouth, you know, just like I did. And 
So right after that chapter, which I hope is pretty funny, then I include the training on how to get your dog to bring things to you, how to get your dog to trade, teaching drop, that kind of thing. So it's a story and then training, a story, training, story, training. So people are finding it very, very relatable so that they don't feel alone in the raising of their own worst dog ever. And they see that there's hope because there's the training and, you know, in the end, you end up with a fantastic dog. So. I love the concept. I love the fact that I love short stories in general. So reading short stories is fun for somebody who doesn't have a lot of time because you can read it, enjoy it, move on and then go back to it when you have time. And then this is actually an educational short story, which to me is brilliant. I I love that idea. Thank you. Um, I really do. I think you nailed it. So I heard or I read that you didn't let your husband read the book until it was about 99% completed. Why is that? It was a really, really uh, tough book to write in certain places. The training chapters were, that's no problem. You know, it's training stuff. It's, you know, there's no emotion for me there. But the memoir part was just, it's just chock full of emotion for me. And I hope I'm able to translate some of that to the reader. I think I have because almost everybody tells me that they cried at the book. So it's like, oh, yeah, you cried? Yay! <laughs> so it was just a really tough book to write. And I went back and forth on what to put in, what not to put in. And I had to feel comfortable by myself without having somebody else influence what I was going to include or leave out. So I just thought I'm just going to do do it the way I want. And nobody read it. Nobody. I didn't show it to anybody. So I just sat all by myself in here and I just wrote, 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 wrote until I had that basically the finished product. So and then I showed it to him and he came in and he was crying and he loved it. Oh, so. I love that. So how long after you, I'm, I'm assuming she was no longer around when you wrote right. that book based on the fact that right. it was a memoir. How long after her passing did you write the book? She died in the fall of 2014 and it was published in the fall of 2019. So oh, wow, five, five years. years. Yeah, five years. And I had been thinking about it for probably about two years before she passed away. So it's a long process, a long process. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And how long did it take you to write the actual book? Five years. (laughs) So you were right. You were working on it for a long time. I did. I I started by uh, uh, working on the, um, well, probably for about a year after she died, I didn't do anything on the book. But the one thing I did that was kind of cool, I think now in retrospect, was after she passed away, we had to take her in. I won't spoil the book, but the vet had to put her to sleep. So I'm going to try not to cry during my talk to you. It's all this time later. It's still just so emotional. You would not be the first to cry and you certainly <sighs> won't be the last to cry. Yes, I cry exactly. with you too. So don't worry okay. about it. <laughs> so yeah. So it, and it was a very traumatic end. So I came home that day and I think it was probably, you know, maybe one or two days later, I have some rituals that I did in those first moments at home. But I just came into my office and I had a feeling that I had known I wanted to write something to honor Wiley, but I wasn't sure what it was going to be. But that two days was so traumatic. I thought, I've got to write this stuff down. So I just came into my office. I just got some pieces of paper and I just hand wrote just everything that happened in the last three days, basically. And no style, no nothing. It's just document the events of what happened in the order they happened. 
because I knew that if I didn't, number one, I'd, I'd forget the details because we all do. And when it's something painful like that, we definitely try to forget the details. That's a coping mechanism we all know. So I didn't want to forget those details. Yes, I did, but I wanted to document them so I'd have them later. So I wrote probably about 30 pages of stuff. And I just put it in a drawer and I just put it away and I didn't touch it. So uh, about a year later, I decided, well, maybe I'll start writing some, um, you know, working on table contents and, and start writing some of the training stuff. Because that, you know, that, that, that's what that was the easy part. So I did that. And then I started, you know, one chapter at a time, just some of the antics that she did and, and that we lived through and just started writing the little stories and, and then sort of put it all together. And there it was. That's awesome. That is so good because that's such a good way to channel your pain into something that's going to be healing down the line, even though I'm sure it was yeah. not easy to document all that. It probably it was, no. there was a healing aspect to it. Yeah, there, very much so. The, the last chapter of her life that's in the book, oh my gosh, you have no idea how many times I started that and then put it away and then started it and put it away. Because I was like, start, cry, put it away, start, cry, put it away. Like, oh gosh, that was because it was like reliving it every mm-hmm. single time. Mm-hmm. And then you'd have to reread it, right? So to edit and then you have to change things. It's like, oh gosh, this was just really a tough thing to do. But you know, it, it got done. So talk about a labor of love, like truly, but Definitely, I think yes. raising the worst dog ever was probably also a labor of love. And I want to get into that a little bit more about misbehaving dogs and what we do because we love them and we got to deal with them, but they really test our limits sometimes. And I want to dig into that a little bit more as soon as we come back from these messages from our sponsor. Molly, here's your dinner. <laughs> Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Covered in Pet Hair. I'm your host, Isabel alvarez Arada, and today I'm speaking to the author of The Worst Dog Ever, Survival Guide, and I really want to know just how bad Wiley was, the, the main character of this book. I want to know just how bad she was compared to my socks, because I'm going to show you a picture okay. of my socks. Socks was a uh, terribly, terribly oh, difficult dog. She was gorgeous. 
And she was like, we looked at her in the yard and we were like, she's like a lioness in the Serengeti. She was just so wild and so beautiful. Hound shepherd mix, a nightmare. She was a nightmare <laughs> in many ways, but I adore yeah. her. We were just talking about how much I miss petting her because she had the softest fur I've ever pet in my life. So this next game to get us started on this second part of the show, it's called Never Have They Ever. And what we're going to do, it's a drinking game. We're going to drink every time I say something that our dogs did. Okay. okay? So mm -hmm. if your dog did it, you're going to drink. If your dog didn't do it, you don't have to drink. You ready to play? I'm ready to play. All right. So here we go. Never have they ever stolen something. So if Wiley stole something, you drink. If Socks stole something, I drink. Oh, she's drinking. I'm not going to drink because I don't think I remember Socks stealing anything. Well, I'll actually, drink another one for you. <laughs> I'm actually going to drink. Actually, I'm going to drink. I just remembered she used to steal all of Titan's toys. Okay. So I guess that counts. What did yours steal? Oh, my goodness. Paper towels, everything out of the, the bathroom trash at uh, people's houses, too. Like visiting people that come strutting out with bathroom trash. It was like terrible. Um, uh, socks name it in the house i mean it went in her mouth rocks outside oh my gosh oh gosh field markers uh, <laughs> ever, uh, you know anything she could sink her teeth into anything my husband's work gloves when he's out trying to work you know and he put them down and pew, gone yeah <laughs> i mean anything yeah oh my gosh okay next one never have they ever eaten a full bag of bread socks ate a whole bag of hot dog buns and then had us up all night with an upset stomach. But I'll I guess bet. Wiley missed that one. Wiley did not do that one. She ate some rocks instead. The only reason Wiley didn't do that is because we kept the counters 100% <laughs> clear because that dog really made us be good housekeepers. That's for yes, sure. Okay, so in my defense, that happened at my ex's house. I shared socks, okay. a custody of socks for a long time. And lucky for me, I picked her up that afternoon and I was the one who was taking her out in my condo. So not even to the yard, like down the stairs and into the to the doggy oh area. Oh my God. All night long. Yeah. Thanks a lot. You know who. All right. Um, next one. <laughs> Never have they ever run away from home. Mm -hmm. So she did run away from home, did she? She did. She didn't really run away. She walked out the fence that somebody had left open mm. don't know who that would be <laughs> and she just went home with somebody somebody was walking in the neighborhood and she just she's like oh God, you can be my new family and she just she went home with them and they tried to shoo her away and she's like no i'm just gonna go with you and she trotted right in their house and just lay down she's just, that's oh my gosh family. So socks socks was a little bit uh scared around strangers but she did the same thing um she walked out of a yard i won't mention who but it wasn't my yard she was staying with some relatives and um they forgot the door the the yard the gate and both of my dogs titan and socks ran out oh, um gosh. socks apparently got in somebody's car they brought her home she was the perfect lady and usually she was like cujo so like i'm not really sure like what these people gave her but she jumped in their car on 236 in northern virginia which i'm sure some people watching know that street you don't want your dog walking on that street so thankfully Gosh. she just jumped into their car so i guess we should also we should drink to they did not have stranger danger no they didn't <laughs> all right next one never have they ever sniffed a guest in their nether regions Oh, gosh. We need a club. We need a support group. Yeah. That is so yeah. embarrassing. 
but socks wouldn't stop. Oh. <laughs> she just like she just like that was her investigative report every time that oh, we okay. had somebody come in. So I'm sure you could teach me how to make sure that doesn't happen with future dogs, huh? Well, e- sort of. It's a yeah. natural thing for them to do. You know, they want to they want to know who it is, and well, that's the way that's the way they figure things out. Yes. But I can we can redirect after maybe a little quick sniff, and then we're yes. Done. So socks was it was not a quick sniff. Um, sometimes there was like a displacement of parts and everything. So, oh my um, gosh. Going in for a really good sniff. We had, this is ages ago. This is when she was a puppy. So like people who met her when she was like over eight are probably going to be like, what? But when she was a puppy, we had a little barbecue. This was when I was with my ex and a a friend came over in a mini skirt and she had to go change. Like I had to, I I had to lend her a pair of pants. So yeah, it was really embarrassing. So yeah. (laughs) Um, and, it, and and she did this with everybody. This is not anything against the friend. This is just socks really wanted to investigate what was right. Never have they ever bitten a stranger. Yours was not that bad if she didn't bite anybody. Oh, she was not aggressive at all. She was oh, the so opposite end of things. She was the over friendly. She was like, okay, way, yeah. And you know what? You could hurt some. They could hurt somebody if they're too overly friendly and like jumpy. And oh, stuff. she did. Okay. Never have I ever had a dog run into an eight-year-old and give her a black eye. <gasps> oh my goodness. Okay. Yes. So, all right. All right. All right. Never did they ever, or have they ever, ruined a hike. Oh God. <laughs> so why don't you tell me about that hike? Tell me about the hike that you, uh, you alluded to in game number one. Um, oh. So you, you were excited about this hike, it sounds like. Yeah, we had um, Tim's son and our daughter-in-law over from Texas. It was a big, it was a big visit, you know, and um, it was, uh, it's beautiful up in northern Wisconsin. And there's a hike uh, up to St. Peter's Dome, which is like, it takes you way, way up and you can see everything from up there. It's just spectacular and i had been there before we wanted to bring them right let's like share our beautiful area and um so made a picnic lunch and packed everything and it was like gonna be a great day we, we took two vehicles because um you know two couples plus you know the maniac dog <laughs> so uh we drove up there and parked at the trailhead and um i started out with her on a flexi lead because you know those doing doing leads you know the 26 feet of hell anyway you know, retractable leash uh, yeah that's why I started because I thought oh it would be nice to give her some freedom right oh yeah. everybody thinks that isn't that what everybody thinks about retractable yes it leashes? is it's just such a bad <laughs> idea holy oh my don't do it just don't do it <laughs> and so we start out you know and I figure I'm fast because I can, you know, hit the button. It's like, oh, ha, yeah. ha, ha, ha. Mm-hmm. Dogs are so fast. Yes, you hit and pull and hit and pull and hit and pull. <laughs> or just lock it, you know. By the, by the time it was like, you know, maybe five minutes into the hike on the trail. And it was, at first, it was a pretty wide trail, you know, maybe six, seven feet. But as we went, it got narrower. And so we were kind of in single file. And I had Wiley ahead because, you know, of course, I'm in the lead pulling mom along. And it was kind of, it was hot, but you know, her antics made me like so hot. It was like sweaty. There was like mosquitoes on flies, 
because, you know, I'm like a sweating mess now. And, uh, and she's, she's pulling me and I'm pulling her back and then she's darting off to the side and she's going around bushes. And so I'm in the bushes trying to undo the leash thing. And it was just crazy. And, you know, my arms were sore. It was just misery, absolute misery. And, you know, Tim would say, oh, why don't you let me take her? And I'm like, oh, gosh, that, that'll be doubly bad, you know. <laughs> so I, I said, no, I think I'll, I'll take her. So I, I said, never mind. And I'm getting in worse mood, a worse mood, a worse mood, right? Because it's like now it's like getting on my nerves. And so I'm walking. I just, I had it. I said, turned around. I said, Tim, give me the keys. He's like, what? What are you doing? I said, give me the keys. We're going home. You guys go ahead. Enjoy your picnic. That's what Enjoy your picnic. <laughs> give me the keys. And me and Wiley walked back down, walked out to the car, got in the car. And there she was, you know, she's like, ah, I don't know what's going on, but I'm having fun. And the tongue's hanging out. And I'm in the car and I'm so frustrated. One of many, many times she made me cry in frustration. So I'm like crying in the car. I said, you ruined everything. I can't even have a nice hike with my family. And then all of a sudden she starts licking my face, you know. So I was like, then she made me laugh. I looked over and she's like, so I started to laugh. That's the, that's the great thing about dogs. And, and I yes. think actually they do that better than children. Because like if my kid like ruins a hike, it takes me a lot longer than them licking my face to get over it. So like dogs have this like special ability and this knack for like making us get over it like this. Yes. Yes. They're, they're, she was like a master at that for sure. And you know, when you have a dog like this, and I'm sure you felt it too, you kind of live on the edge of love, hate, right? You love them an absolute incredible amount. And then they do something you hate. And it's like, oh, how can I love you so much and feel so badly about you? But yeah, that's where I lived for, I'd say the first three years, maybe. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's exactly what happened with Socks. Actually, Socks was just when she passed away, it was like it was a bit of a there was a tiny bit of relief because I actually couldn't uh. trust her on my kids. Oh, yes. Then, yeah, that's a whole other. There was it was so many layers of like not being able to trust her with so many things. And I mean, I could do a whole show on that separately, but it was a lot of it was my fault. But that's actually brings me to my next question to you. Why do dogs misbehave? Like, why are there dogs that are just like, are they just like children? Some are more spirited than others. What is it that we that causes these like worst dog ever's to right? act this way um well there, it, there, you know it's a spectrum just like with people well you know some people are uh, shy and scared some people are outgoing and social and the, the dogs are the same they you know you get this whole sort of spectrum of behavior and that's right from the beginning so that genetic piece plays a huge role in the dog you end up getting it's not everything, but it's there. You, you, you know, you can't deny it. For, for a while, I would say about 10 years ago, we heard a lot of, oh, it's not all in how they're raised, you know, that, that saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we know it's not all in how they're raised. It's, that's part of it, but there's a genetic component too. So um, what usually happens with the type of dog I describe in my book is it's a large dog. It grows fast. Okay, so what's cute as a puppy, all of a sudden, the dog weighs 40, 50, 60 pounds, it's not cute anymore. But they have done nothing to teach the dog 
appropriate behavior. So they just continue this puppy nonsense, you know, puppies biting everything, puppies jumping, puppies doing all, all the things puppies do. And the humans, because these puppies are so cute, we're reinforcing that behavior by giving them what they want, like attention or petting or playing or, and even if we don't intentionally re- want to reinforce this behavior, like, like puppy biting, that's, a, that's probably the, the worst one. Because I, my, I spent my whole, I don't know how many months of, of my arms just like totally bloody and ripped to shreds. But we reinforce it because even if we say no and push the puppy away, that puppy likes that. They like it when you talk to them. They like it when you touch them. So they just come back at you again and you push again and they come back more and they're like, yes. So inadvertently we reinforce all the behaviors and then you end up with a, you know, a seven, eight, nine month old dog who's basically adult size acting the same way as it did when it was, you know, 12 weeks old. Right. So, so those are the most common ones you know, where you just have a rambunctious dog that you never taught what you wanted them to do. And then you also inadvertently reinforce the stuff you hate, which people really get angry when they realize it's like, oh my gosh, you mean I caused this? It's like, well, you know, yeah, partially. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. So with socks, I know that we caused a lot of it. Um, so we also used like some really aversives with her when she was six months old and made her aggression happen. I, she wasn't aggressive before we started doing that, but she developed some aggression and some fear of strangers. And she was going back and forth being shared with custody, which we thought was the best thing for her. But in many ways it wasn't because she was a very sensitive dog and needed stability. So when I look back now that I know, obviously this was in 2008 when I got her 2000, yeah, 2008, when I got her, it's 2021. Now I've learned a lot in this industry. I look back and I'm like, yikes, we did a number on that poor dog. Yeah, yeah, I, I get, I'm, you know, when I think back about, you know, look at Wiley, it's, it's like, I'm shocked that she turned out the way she did. And really, it was only because the veterinarian I was seeing told us about that positive reinforcement class that we ended up attending, which I'd never heard the term before. I, all I knew was I did not want to choke and yank on my dog. I just didn't want to do that. I did that when I was young, when that's all we knew. But it was hard and I hated it. And the vet told me about this class and I'm like, what? And so it was kind of shocking because we lived basically in the middle of nowhere in northern Wisconsin up by Lake Superior. And so I had to drive 45 minutes to this class and it was the best thing I ever did. It changed my whole life, basically. So yes, it sounds like it. So how old was Wiley when you became a dog trainer? Uh, oh gosh, uh, Wiley was maybe by the time I finished school and mentorship it was probably about she was probably in eh, gosh I, I, nobody's ever asked me that question four oh that's perfect so you were you yeah. able to work with her you developed your techniques with working with her that's yeah. wonderful that's so yeah. cool yeah. oh yeah she's definitely the reason i'm a dog trainer 100 percent. yeah i see that a lot on this show there's always yes. a dog that is attributed to that yep. change in career that landed them in the pet care industry. And I love that. Or pet, like obviously not just dogs, but cats to have been credited with that big life change that like made all the difference. So really quickly, and I know that this is very, 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 very profound. And like, there's a lot of things to unpack when you do dog training. So like, I don't expect you to, to go into all the details, but like when you have a naughty dog, and you hire a dog trainer like you, what can you expect from like your lessons? I'm, I'm sure that this is not something that is addressed in one 
dog training visit or dog training consultation? It's not, but if we have naughty dogs, it's typically typically things like my dog is chewing all my shoes. My dog is uh, chewing the couch. My dog is counter surfing. I'll drink to that because Socks did that. <laughs> yeah. So those are the typical ones, right? So even in one lesson, I always start these kinds of things with a behavior consultation. So it's a two-hour appointment. And I really make sure I focus a lot on what dogs are as little beings, you know, and I try to get them to unlabel their behaviors from good and bad. I don't like that. I just tell them it's they're just dog behaviors. Your dog's not doing anything that any other dog wouldn't do. So your dog is normal. People are always relieved to hear that they have a normal dog. Um, And then (laughs) as a mother, I feel that too, right? Like I feel that like when somebody tells me that my toddlers complete and utter meltdowns are completely developmentally appropriate, not only to be expected, but appropriate. I'm like, right. (sighs) It's like, yeah, I'm not doing anything wrong. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Right. So focus on that. And then I also focus on uh, how dogs learn, right? So what's going on, you know, when things are reinforced, they're going to be repeated. So uh, give them and I, I like to pull in human examples to that. And then I also talk about management strategies, yes. you know, to protect the house. <laughs> we live in ma- we lived in management way too late with socks. But now with our three older dogs and our two young children, we live in the management world. Yes, right. Right. And, you know, if you talk to dog trainers and we get new dogs or puppies, we manage all the time. Like puppy, raising a puppy is like 90% management. People think it's like training, training, training. It's like, no, no, no. It's manage the environment, manage this. You teach a few things here and there, but that's not the important part to get you through things. So if I give them the tools of uh, management tools, how dogs learn their role in the dog's behavior, how, how dogs respond to your body gestures, not your words. So if you say no 5,000 times, the dog mm-hmm. doesn't care because it doesn't speak English. Right. So yeah, so all of that, I try and get in that, that first two hours to try and get them to understand what their dog is doing. It's not bad, you know. So then even if I just do that and they never call me again, for whatever reason, whether it's money, schedule, whatever reason, I feel better because I know that they understand their dog better. Yes. yes. And then, you know, if they want to continue, which most people do because they're like, oh, this is like magic because you just leave them for one week and they're, they're starting to incorporate some of the strategies and they're, they're like, this is like great because it's working, right? It works pretty right. well instantaneously. And then we just start with some basics. We start on relationship building and And that kind of stuff, you know, teaching your dog to settle and calm. And that's the other focus that we have to sort of bring back is, you know, that old adage, a tired dog is a good dog. Uh, mm. I was like, no, because I, I was actually going to gonna ask you about that. I was actually I was yeah. when I was planning my first game, I was like going to do a myths, but then I scrapped it because I'd rather learn more about Wiley. But that's something that I was going to ask. A tired dog is a good dog is something that I was told when I adopted my dogs in 2007, 2008. Oh, it's all over the place. You still see it mm-hmm. everywhere, right? It's like, really? Oh, I you still see that? Like, <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, I did it. I did it to Wiley because if I didn't play two, at least two 45-minute ball playing sessions a day with her, I couldn't live with her in the house. She was just bouncing off the walls. Right. So my solution was, I did because I didn't know, go outside and throw the ball, and and she she would go forever. That dog. they won't stop. No, 
she loved it. She was, and so I created this super athlete out of her. She was <laughs> incredible, you know, and you could see it in her face, the, the shot of adrenaline she got, you know, and the endorphins were like, oh, yeah, this is great. No wonder she didn't want to stop, right? So, yeah, so don't do that with your dogs unless you want that kind of dog, you know, unless you've got, you know, you're going to use your Labrador Retriever as a gun dog. So, Mm -hmm. but even then, you know, you still want to live with them in the house. Right. And you want to give them some training and boundaries and, and and teach them how to calm down, teach them how to settle, you know, so people think you don't teach that, but that's like, that's my number one thing when I get into, I'm, I'm actually going to meet a new client tomorrow. And that's the first thing we're going to do is let's teach the dog how to calm down. Can you teach my almost four-year-old how to settle, please? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Not, yes. This is not rocket science. You can do it. You can do it. Yes. <laughs> So, you know, well, you have a family and kids. And like, I know that's, that's a lot. Thing. Oh, yeah. I was talking about the kid. I was talking about the four-year-old kid. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we need to teach him okay. how to settle. He yells and I'm like, ah, why are we yelling? So um, <laughs> I want you to tell us how our viewers and listeners on Pet Life Radio, how can they reach you? you if they want to learn more and where can they get your book because i think everybody should be reading this and giving it as gifts i think it's so wonderful you can get the book uh virtually anywhere uh just go online amazon has it you can read all the reviews on amazon um dogwise books has it um and then everywhere else books are sold online so books a million and indie bound and all the booksellers uh you just have to go put it in there and It'll but we up, can so. apparently buy the book signed by you somewhere, right? Yes, you can. You could go to my website. I have two websites. One, the one for the book is worstdogever.com. And you'll find on the landing page, the homepage, you'll find instructions on how to get one signed if you want one signed. Or you can just order one order one. and the Amazon button's there too. So uh, you can always go there. And then on that website, you'll also find pictures of Wiley, and pictures of me and all <laughs> kinds of information and some of the reviews and stuff. So there's fun stuff to look at there too. And then or my website for my dog training business is daleward.positively.com. So you can definitely go there and read about all my dog training stuff. And I'm on, uh, you know, all the social media stuff too. So you can find Perfect. me. You can find me. <laughs> Fantastic. So I want to read just a little bit more about the book, if that's okay with okay. you. Sure. All right. Yeah. So this is chapter one, the beginning. And then there was dog. She was the best of dogs. She was the worst of dogs. It was the age of good intent. It was the age of blunder. It was the epic of hope. It was the epic of sorrow. It was the season of unconditional love. It was the season of frustration. It was the spring of birth. It was the winter of dejection. We had everything to conquer. We had nothing to lose. She was wise. She was silly. She was devoted. She loved all humans. She was my light. She pushed away my despair. How beautiful is that? You're like bringing me to tears. Thank you. So beautiful. (laughs) So, uh, so beautiful. I I picked the... um... The format of the the first part of A Tale of Two Cities. And I took that and I sort of reworked it into me and my dog. Beautiful. And I know that there's not going to be a dry eye from from literally from chapter one, ladies and gentlemen. Like, come on. From chapter one, we're already in tears. So I just want to propose a toast to you for bringing me to tears and for sharing this awesome love story with uh, everybody. 
with the world. Oh, great. I, I'm, that, it just makes me feel so good to do this because that was my goal with the book is to get Wiley out there and honor her memory. So. You certainly did. And I cannot wait to get my signed copy. So here is to you and for this wonderful yeah. book and for all the good you do for the dogs that you train because I'm sure there are many Thank other you. bad dogs out there that need help. <laughs> there's there's a, never a shortage, never a shortage. Never a shortage of bad dogs. And here is to uh, my executive producer, maybe he's a bad dog too, I don't know, Mark Winter. Here's to you for making this show possible. And to all of our viewers on YouTube and all of our listeners on Pet Life Radio, thank you for joining us and spending your time with us. Here's to a life covered in pet hair because there's no better way to live. Cheers. Yay. This is a good drink, but I'm feeling it. I'm definitely feeling it. I'm feeling my wine. It's like it's like only four in the afternoon here. (laughs) (laughs) It's only 3.15 here. So anybody who wants to learn more about covered in pet hair, please visit coveredinpethair.com or petliferadio.com. Thank you for watching and we'll see you next time. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.